today's very special episode of the black out tips is brought to you by healthy roots dolls if you missed black friday sit deals healthy roots dolls has the hookup for you tomorrow for cyber monday that's right healthy roots creates dolls that empower young girls through hair play with dolls that represent their beauty not only will you get zoe the first doll that teaches girls to love their curls when you use code tbgwt you will also get free shipping on your order and a free curl care cat and that is a value of 40 dollars. okay just for the hair products alone shea moisture cantu mixed chicks and more yours for free with free shipping when you visit healthyroots.com and put in tbgwt at checkout i've used code it works do it while supplies last because it will run out and zoe is more than just a doll uh painted brown okay so this is not just like getting a barbie doll that happens to be a little bit tinted this is an actual doll about black hair there's a limited quality quantity available and like i said you got to do it now so you get it in time for the holidays don't be showing up on christmas with your hands empty all right um all right the sale ends the 26th so if you're one of those people that waits to the next day to hear this episode hurry up and buy hurry up and buy all right so <laughs> healthyrootsdolls.com slash t uh and then go to use code tbgwt when you go to check out uh and then also this episode is brought to you by shadow dog productions um they are the makers of youtube comedy web series book crushers this week we they went to uh the magic kingdom for sale uh book uh ring world they went on that and the original soul selling story fost so be sure to comment and leave uh all types of stuff on youtube for them uh youtube.com slash shadow dog production it helps them out it helps us out and whatnot now thank them because they are giving you this free interview uh on a day where you would have got no show okay i was out influencing people to buy wings all right just big time big money things y'all don't understand so uh yeah make sure you guys uh check out this episode i hope you enjoy the interview um it was very fun and uh entertaining and uh i think Yulissa has such a uh infectious personality it is hard not to root for her and healthydolls.com when you see healthyrootsdolls.com um when you see um you know her story all right so with no further delay here you go hey guys it's me rod and i'm back again with another very special medium talk today uh i talked to yulisa jean charles who is a graphic designer illustrator ceo of healthy roots which is a company that is all about helping little black girls love their natural hair um by giving them dolls with natural hair um but also um like instructions on how to take care of natural hair and all this type of stuff um she uh, we also end up talking about digimon versus pokemon i mean very important stuff here uh talked about owning your own business uh the hurdles of being black in america and sort of uh you know the different paths that we take to sort of loving ourselves and and living our our full selves so um we had a great conversation uh she's very funny very engaging very dynamic she is only 23 and i say that as uh to say that that's how impressive she is like she will kind of make you feel like you wasted your life if you're older than her um and maybe if you're younger too step your game up okay get like get like her get like yjac that's what i call her okay she don't know yet but um make sure you guys um support as well um go to healthyrootsdolls.com 
and uh buy you a, a doll buy someone in your life a, a doll um because uh it helps out um uh you know uh the business as well especially if you sign up before um uh you know hurry up and get it in now so you can get it at christmas so healthyrootsdolls.com is where you want to go um and yeah thank you guys for listening and supporting uh the blackout tips uh i'll stop rambling and help you guys and let you guys get into the actual interview thanks hi welcome to another episode of medium talk on the blackout test premium podcast network i'm your host rod and as always i try to bring very interesting people on the show to talk to about what's going on in their lives and their stories um and today is no exception i have a a woman who has so many jobs i mean at this point <laughs> um graphic designer illustrator ceo um uh like uh and and, and again constantly dealing with street harassment um it's uh yalisa jean charles um who is the founder of healthy roots um which is a company that you know helps uh celebrate um and 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 make dolls for black girls and you know natural hair um what's going on yalisa nice to meet you hi nice be on the show i am crazy busy with the holiday season because you know toys and i am still doing all those jobs and being street harassed at the same time i'm an incredible person yeah you are um you um and and then um i know you're also uh like have a job like a full-time gig as well as this too like how, how are you even managing all that so the way that I manage that is by actually not having a full-time job oh, anymore. <laughs> okay, that's the way to do it. I'm working on Healthy Roots full-time now. So I have all my time to myself, and I'm freelancing as a graphic designer and illustrator, always looking for new opportunities. And, um, yeah, I literally just stay home a lot and work. Like, all my friends are going out, you know, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to bring my pepper spray today. I'm going to just chill on this couch and do some drawings. Is that cool? <laughs> well, um like i said i appreciate you making the time because i know it's gotta be busy season um i mean and black friday is upon us so or as i like to call it african-american friday i don't like to pick um you know or really all fridays matter to me <laughs> it's you know a friday of color if you will um but uh i know that's gotta be a busy se- season so um the the first thing i kind of wanted to ask you is what was the i the process of um deciding that uh you wanted to make black dolls with, with with beautiful natural hair um it's really weird just for context because i don't think people realize this i'm 23 i just graduated from college a year ago and i started this project in school and what happened was i was in a class and i had redesigned a fairy tale character rapunzel and she had you know, Rapunzel is this little white girl. She's got beautiful, long, blonde hair. She's locked away in this tower. And I looked at her, and I was like, you know, I never see images of brown girls as princesses. And I wanted to take an opportunity to take the same character and turn her into a little brown girl with, like, beautiful curly hair to say, hey, we can be beautiful, and we can have great hair, too. And it all, like, had actually started from much of my childhood where I didn't have a brown doll growing up i don't know if anybody else did or like the ones that we did have didn't really look like us Mm. they were just the white dolls but brown right (laughs) because you know like everybody want to look like that right right and the one time my parents tried to give me a black doll i cried Mm. 
I instantly burst into tears because I didn't think she was pretty. And I had talked to a lot of friends about this, and I realized that the the little doll that I had made for this class, there was an opportunity to create a business out of it and make sure that other little brown girls didn't feel the same way that I did growing up. Um, one other thing that actually happened in that class that definitely cemented the fact that I would be starting this business was one of my classmates said, it is not our responsibility as art students to be socially aware or responsible. And I was like, excuse me, that is exactly what we're supposed to do. <laughs> like, like we go to the Rhode Island School of Design so that we can have an impact on the world. Like, we're supposed to be making a difference. So I started the company through the Brown University Social Innovation Fellowship. They gave me a $4,000 grant, and I worked on the company during the summer. I got into the Mass Challenge Accelerator Program, and I ultimately launched a Kickstarter where I raised $50,000 for the first round of production. Wow. And it's been an incredible journey ever since. My hair looks great. My edges are on fleek, and <laughs> girls really love the doll. Yeah, um, it's, it's also interesting, too because um uh when you talk about like princesses and like i know they're starting the like more inspirational black barbie line where it's like ava duvernay the barbie and uh but then like it you know grown women are mostly buying it because they they never had that chance um to really have that as as kids um um but it's interesting when you talked about the princes um and i i do think about that if rapunzel had been black how was he supposed to get up the stairs like i mean how was he supposed to get up the side of the <laughs> she gonna have to cornrow that stuff like she's gonna need a she gonna need a friend you know what i'm saying now i gotta have a friend come in cornrow me up you know what i'm saying help me break you know this can the oil that's gonna be like how much mm-hmm. shea butter like come on how much time was that gonna take just to be up in that tower like it would have took an extra couple years just to get out um if the uh if it would have been a black princess so yeah um the other thing um too that uh that you brought up was um you know not having dolls as kids that were were uh were black and brown um that is so true it it, um and i guess you know you're on the other side of it now with production but i'm assuming some of that was just like their choices of like why would we serve that market we can just use the same plastic and brown it up and sell that rather than to go out and specifically change hair texture um eye color body size body shape and stuff like that i'm assuming it's a monetary thing do you run into those issues now on the other side yeah so i have a lot of people who will be like oh you should do this with your dollar you should make the dolls look like this and it's like i would love nothing more than to come out with like a full range of dolls of all different body types all the different skin tones all the different hair and it is for me because of the scale that we're at right now a monetary issue so we have to start somewhere but for bigger companies it's not so much a monetary issue like you can afford the molds you can afford the production costs you're choosing not to because like back in the day if we think about it they were appealing to the standards of beauty that we believed in back then like you know standard body size you know hair that looks a certain way they the black dolls had straight hair because the black girls were told to have straight hair and we often still are but now it's kind of shifting you're seeing dolls with like curlier hair you know darker skin tones but still it it took so long to get to this point alone and healthy woods isn't just you know a brown doll with natural hair our whole goal is to teach natural hair care so girls can play with the doll's hair there's also a book that's illustrated to show girls how to do all these different things and that's something that a lot of companies have yet to catch up on is like it goes beyond just making a brown doll are you creating an experience for those girls right yeah that's that's uh 
yeah that's fascinating too the the idea of possibly even learning natural hair care from your doll like maybe you're because you know we i think uh especially with women with toys for girls we always look at it as like it has to be a reflection of the girl right so like um if she has a perm the doll should have a perm if she has uh natural the, the doll should have a natural but yeah that's something i hadn't even considered but the idea of like learning you know maybe you do oh, have yeah. a perm but you know boom like oh wow this is a healthier thing for me this is also kind of you know beauty acceptance this is what my hair naturally comes out of my head like and also here's how to care for it yeah because like i i don't want anyone to ever feel like i'm telling you that you can't have a perm or that you can't straighten your hair because that's not at all what i'm saying and i've had i've had conversations with people about this because they think that i'm saying oh you know straightening your hair or you know like i'm a whole tip like real women my queens you need to be Mm. like own your nubian goddess like no i'm not doing that right what i'm saying is um you should have the option because when you're a little girl and all you ever see is black girls be like with straight hair or like told that this is the way to look, you don't know that there's any other way. I want girls to know that if you straighten your hair, it's because you want to and not because someone told you to. Right. And don't, I mean, and for the record, man, don't knock the hotel dollar, okay? Because those ashy dollars spend the same way that the fully uh hydrated and moisturized dollar spend from the rest of the community okay they you might have to throw an onk on a couple of these if, oh yeah if, if you need if you need to they <laughs> save all that money by you know just eating cherry pits and drinking water so they don't menstruate you know mm-hmm. that right of course that's <laughs> i mean listen the money gotta go somewhere okay they still making money at these white men's jobs so um <laughs> now i feel like i just see a but i'm looking at the uh healthy roots um website just putting onks on everybody i'm just going around photoshopping that um, kente cloth everything yeah <laughs> no <laughs> lie i want kente cloth clothes i do that shit is cute <laughs> it is cute i know it's like that's the thing like hotels kind of ruin some stuff man like i saw um i was watching something the other day and it was old like you know like something from the 90s or something and the girl and it had an onk on and i was like oh you <laughs> like, wear that shit no more right like oh there was a time when that just meant like you were cool and, and like maybe and beyonce wear it so maybe we should just you know accept it like, right like yeah someone got a oh sad it's ruined for me now um but uh what have been some of the challenges to you know being the ceo and owning your own business because uh as you said you're tw- you're 23 um which is one of the reasons i wanted to have you on here because i i mean you're you're accomplishing so much at such a young age and i know that's like pressure too right um yeah. especially as a black woman like to be like perfect to to uh unfortunately when black people take on roles like this people often want them to represent everybody so then it's like yeah. it's like well i look hasbro could have made a line of every type of black person and had 75 they could have had the onk doll next to the ava duvernay doll next to the like they could have done that they just didn't want to do it so anytime a black person steps into that space to go i'm going to create a lane i'm going to create a thing that wasn't there before it's like the community kind of goes to them like well then can you make the onk doll and the ava duvernay doll and and it's like well those things are you know more difficult to accomplish uh especially by yourself so what what um what have been some of the, the difficult things about you know being the ceo so running a business is really really hard <laughs> especially when only like less than one percent 
of African-American ventures get VC funding, with like venture capital funding. So you know how all these companies are out there raising money. You know, you hear about all these startups. Like, uh, I don't want to name names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the startups that are raising like $15 million per round or $100 million per round. Um, it's really hard when you have a physical product and you're black. <laughs> And your product is about black girls, and the whole goal of your product is to combat internalized racism and colorism. And then you go up to white men who are from, like, complete finance and business backgrounds and know nothing about that and go, can you write me a check for this even though it doesn't relate to you? Right. That's one of my biggest challenges. And so what I've done is I've done my best to connect with um, angel investors of color, VCs of color, and general people who understand the idea because they might have a connection or, you know, they have someone in their family who has adopted an African child who, you know, they need to find products that they identify with. And actually, we got venture funding from Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital. She, two years ago, wrote this Medium blog post about how white male VCs are missing out on opportunities by not funding um, strong entrepreneurs of color and since then she's raised two million dollars for backstage capital and has invested in over 50 companies and wow. healthy rich is really excited to join the portfolio she like just invested in kilani like last week which is like pretty cool so it's like i'm in the same portfolio as kilani like <laughs> black excellence over here hey wow that's dope Thank you. Um, so my challenge is like, again, raising money and, you know, making sure that people understand the product, but also learning as I go, because I don't come from a business background. I went to art school to draw pretty pictures, essentially. <laughs> like, I'm a very talented illustrator. Business owner, I had to learn how to be a business owner. So I went through these programs, you know, understanding, like get, gaining the business acumen and accessing, you know, mentors and resources. I've had to, I've had to learn how to hustle. Like I, I knew how to hustle, you know, like I do hair on the side or whatever, but this is a different type of hustle. Like this is some business shit. Right. Um, and then I think the other, the other issues is just, you know, general basic racism and sexism. Um, I remember, oh, this story sucks. I'm gonna tell it anyways. Um, this guy, he was a mentor in one of the programs I was in an advisor of some sort. And we were at a demo day, which is where you're showcasing your product to people, you know, having people express interest in buying or whatever. And he was like, this is so cool. You know, black women keep perming. There is a white guy, by the way, if you can't Mm -hmm. tell from the story. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, yes, he was. (laughs) It was like, you know, I, I think black women, their hair just looks like burnt plastic when they perm it. It just looks so unattractive. And then he pointed to one of my team members who has very kinky hair and she's beautiful, by the way. She's freaking gorgeous. Um, very dark skin, also Haitian, kinky hair. And he goes, yeah, I like your hair, but your team member, her hair, I don't really like it that much. I think that yours is like better. Wow. And I was just like, you're, you're proving my exact point about why we're doing this product, you know? Right. Wow. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy. And I was like really, really upset, but because I need the check, I can't, you know, react the way I want to react. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also, like, when you're in these rooms, I mean, well, I guess venture capitalism could be a little bit different, but, like, uh, when you're in these rooms, you're probably the youngest person in the room in a lot of cases. I'm the youngest person. I'm the blackest person. Right. I'm, the, I'm female. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine, because, uh, you know, it's, um, there's such, there are gatekeepers to everything, and it does change the dynamic of what you can launch. Like, crowdsourcing is cool but it can only go so far right like yeah. um you know like that kickstarter might get you started with um you know like a design or something like that but 
you know to be to the point where you could be like oh i want a whole line of just various looking dolls and i want to come out with every idea that's in my head right away yeah that would take millions of dollars probably and uh if there's some white person that just doesn't quote unquote get it um you won't get the money and we've seen even in the tech industry and with all the like you know out in silicon valley you know these young young younger more hipper white people are like really tuned in and and we're seeing now like the products they put out such as facebook and twitter and stuff are trash when it comes to dealing with anything outside of a white male perspective um yeah and all that those people are kind of connected the the people that have the money out there the people that run things out there and then here you come in with some with with uh with the black dolls and 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 the black (laughs) women and they like hold up now i don't know about all this so yeah other guys walking in with like ideas on a piece of paper walking out with checks no big deal i i i just have to you know sell a million dolls before somebody talks to me but i will say that just the way that they're connected black people in this space are connected as well i know people will be like do you know so and so like you should talk to them it's like i've known her since high school we actually went to summer camp together when we were little (laughs) (laughs) it's really weird and what was school like man for um the rhode island school of design what was what was that like and uh what was the experience as a black person there um do you know you know cheyenne right cheyenne yes yeah i know cheyenne we talk all the time hey we were actually roommates in school uh, it's really funny because she's now this fine artist and I'm now this business person, even though we both went to the same art school for, like, similar things. Mm. Um, but so RISD is an incredible school. Um, it will kick your ass and make you wonder if it's even worth it. Mm. <laughs> I, like, I cannot remember ever being that sleep-deprived. Like, mm. I can't believe I did it. So we have our foundation year where you take these three courses, drawing, um, spatial dynamics, and design, I think it's called. No, yeah, I think it's called. And I went in the illustration track. It's a highly selective school. It's a, but it's also very small. It's like 2,400 people, including graduate and undergrad. And, um, they, our class was like 400 people, you know, nine black kids as per usual. Cause you know, right. diversity. <laughs> uh, and everyone looking at you like, you know, you only got it here cause you black. I had a conversation my freshman year with a girl who said, I don't want to, I don't want a black person to get in and like take my place just because they're black and i was like did you think i got into this school because i'm freaking black right yeah and <laughs> that what you think and like did you think there were only nine of you worth replacing like, <laughs> you know what i mean like if that if that was the plan like we just love diversity so much then i feel like you know they could have got up to a couple hundred man i don't think you're that special no one's that special like there's only nine black kids in this year and you think some of us got in here just because we're black like i've always whenever that comes up in a conversation um because it's normally from quote-unquote well-meaning white people it's always just like liberal like i'm on your side but i just think it's a little unfair and i have to be like so ultimately the extension of your logic is that this should be a completely white space right yeah just obviously right and how does that make you any different than some make america great again hat wearing motherfucker i'm supposed to look at you differently and have respect for you no fuck you you're my enemy as well (laughs) um so but they they hate but they hate they still will like i'll walk them up to that sometimes and they still always kind of come back like no that's not what i mean i'm like that's what you mean every office space every college every place you see a black person you think we stole someone's spot unless you know us then yes. we're, then it's just that we're so special that we're not like the other black people who obviously stole their spots fuck out of here so it's like 
a lot of me and my black peers felt so much pressure because of these ideas that we didn't deserve to be there, that we had to work so much. Like, not only do I have to work hard because my parents are Haitian, and if I don't bring home good grades and accomplishments, they'll be like, why did I even give birth to you? <laughs> I, also, <laughs> I also have to work hard because white people think I don't deserve to be here. Right. And, and like, um, so then does that cause you nine black people to, like, sort of group together during at, RS, uh, at RISD? Yeah, so um, it's it's weird because there. Have you ever seen those videos where it's like the different types of black people at college? Yeah. Um, RISD is is a predominantly white school. We have a lot of international students. We have like South Asian students, um, black students, and like kids from like all over the all over the world. And so of the black students that existed, there were like a few different types. It was like the black kids that didn't fuck with the other black kids. Oh yeah, those guys are the worst. Yeah, and then the black kids that like only fucked with the black kids. Yeah, that. And that's, it's just like the yeah. weird black kids. Yeah, I always end up in the group that always fucks with only black people. But um, that was one of the things I always tell people when they do the like stupid ass um, PWI versus HBCU debate that comes up every once in a while on social media. Yeah. Which, looking at my watch, it's about that time. It's been uh, we're a little overdue for that. Um, but um. I'm always it's always weird to me because I, I mean i went to hbcu i love my hbcu i love my experience all that stuff but i if you go somewhere else you do realize you're gonna group up with the other black people because that's what black people do so it's not like oh you went to so-and-so it's like yeah and then we had a black student union or right. some black activist group because i don't know our bathrooms wasn't as nice or something like it's always some unifying thing um sadly because oppression is unifying but it's always some unifying yeah. thing where it's like maybe in a in a different environment i wouldn't even have looked at this other motherfucker but now that we up in here together and both our bathrooms don't work like got. right like we going up to the to the uh to the uh student government we about to change some things so i feel like that's always like an unfair um uh critique level that pwis but i always thought i always thought that that's one of the things i love about blackness is that we do kind of group together and we do kind of come together for the most part you know um like that i'm not gonna lie though i be seeing the hbc videos hbcu videos on facebook where like they stroll in and like the whole crowd is dancing to the beat you know on time i was like (laughs) i wish i had gone like i missed my opportunity yeah it's so lit what you don't but what you don't see is the people like me that don't dance that are just like on the on the wall in the background like (laughs) like just like looking like jay-z at the inauguration where i'm just like like it's so lit but also i'm not going out there uh (laughs) but yeah it is um it is fun uh it was a great experience but like i said i is it's not that you get the same experience other places but like black people group up like i i don't like I, sometimes people use it as a mark against someone's blackness i'm like why would you do that like you black everywhere you go america's never gonna let you forget yeah um yeah i would say the last thing about my, my experience at RISD. um i went into RISD as the black girl who did not fuck with other black people mm. and i left as the most radical black girl that i possibly could be yeah i was <laughs> gonna ask how so i i've because i read a couple interviews i do research guys like <laughs> i totally don't just freestyle these interviews um but like i read a couple of your interviews and stuff and i and i saw your ted talk and you kind of talked about that briefly um what was that like growing up you say you kind of like distance yourself from blackness like what was that process and and what and then i guess we'll talk about the process of like kind of undoing it so i grew up in a, a haitian family um and i don't know if you're familiar with a lot of the issues 
within the African diaspora, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's that internal hatred between, you know, Africans, Caribbean people, and African Americans. Yes. And, you know, I would sometimes hear things like, don't be like those black Americans or things like that. Like, but we all black. I was so confused. Like, we look the same. What you mean? <laughs> right. So I would hear things like that. And then um, on top of that, I also learned a lot of internalized racism from, you know, mainstream culture, from also from, like, white people. And so yeah. I was, I grew, I went to high, middle school in new york and i thought that i was so special i thought i was a special snowflake like i was a different black person than the other (laughs) black kids because like oh i'm really smart and i only read these types of books and i watch anime and i listen to rock music and all that kind of stuff and like i thought that i was better because my white friend said things to me like you're not even black you're like white black Mm, or mm. you're different than those other black kids uh, that is the best trick the devil ever pulled is the fucking the white people that compliment you with anti-blackness um yes. especially when you're young because i feel like when you're young for most of us we're not prepared to really like analyze what that means to its fullest extent it's kind of like okay. oh well i guess that's a good thing you you like um you know it's like how guys do the you're not like them other girls it's like oh my god i'm so different and you're like special and better than these other women but really it's like he says that to every girl that he likes that is not like and you are like those other girls it's not it's not a negative like you're different and special in your own ways but you're not like you're still similar to other women it's not like you came from another planet you're you know but we do that as a compliment um to disarm people and i do think a lot of times uh black kids do have to unpack that uh later it does like it doesn't do them a favor because um white people are socialized to be more conservative so the older they get the more shit starts to show through where it's like oh they don't really fuck with me either like you know um some people get it way later in life and i guess some people never do i mean there are black republicans but like um that getting that at such a young age i know it had to it had to be a head trip so um what was the like what was the things that um you associated with uh um uh, with blackness that you felt like you were distancing yourself from and also you're this is so crazy we're talking about like when you were young she is 23 guys i'm talking <laughs> like I Younger. Just had to, yeah i just had to remind her like you know you're still growing and developing and it's not like it took you forever there's some i mean look at stacy dash okay some people they never get out of it so well generation be woke though you know like yeah that's yeah i mean that's true um so what was the um what were the things that you associated with blackness you were like i don't do that so because of the way that i was taught like i wasn't supposed to speak a certain way you know like Mm. using you know slang you know ebonics in general um i didn't listen to hip-hop or rap and i thought that i was cool because i was like i'm gonna listen to that like that's garbage that's awful (laughs) um but low-key you know loving beyonce all my life right um what else did i do i like didn't hang out with the black kids at school Mm. like i thought that made me so special um it was so weird and like i would hang out with like the white girls or like you know the really preppy kids um and the reason i i don't know i do know why because racism but i don't know why i thought that that was going to save me from the racism because when i got to high school i started realizing like y'all just think i'm stupid 
Like yeah. y'all don't think I should be any of the things that I am. You don't you don't think I should be this excellent because mm-hmm. I, I I performed really well on the SATs and like you know I was naturally intelligent. You know you study da da da. My parents like forced me to study. I didn't do shit but go to school. All right, like that was it. Right. And one of these white girls turned to me and was like, "Why are you in this AP honors class?" And I was like, "Because I'm preparing for college." And I was like, "Why are you?" And she's like, "I don't want to be in the lower level classes with those other kids." Mm. And by other kids. <laughs> she meant the black kids wow yeah you know what's interesting uh, i also had ap classes growing up and stuff um now my parents are like um you know black very like um very like pro-black in their own ways not like shove it down your throat pro-black but like i, I just remember the books my mom used to buy me like before the mayflower um which is about black people coming to america before white people um what color was jesus which the answer the answer answer was black guys the answer was black uh very short book um it was uh you know but they you know they got me all this like really um you know pro nikki giovanni uh poems and stuff like a lot of like pro black shit um but also definitely encouraged me to be really good in school and stuff um so I remember going to AP classes and I had like a slight, I say slight, but probably more than slight distrust of white people. So they would, when they would try to hit me with that, I used to always just be like, yeah, but I, for my, at least for the way I was raised, I had to get on my black ass bus and go back to my black ass neighborhood every day. So it was never, um, uh, I wouldn't have been able to disassociate from my social circle. Um, just because of how uh i was just because of you know, financially and stuff like the class i was in and stuff i i would go to those ap classes with white people they would tell me stuff like you know you're special you're different you're not like those other ones and then i go back home and play basketball with all my black friends because i was like these are my only people i i know um outside of school so i think that's the only reason that i didn't go through that head trip but literally that's just happenstance you know what i mean like i don't feel special i just feel like oh okay i was i was kind of fortunate i wasn't able to uh i guess in that case i wasn't able to distance myself from blackness because i mean that that has to be alluring um how many of these movies with uh white women that we see come out have like the one black girl in it you know (laughs) (laughs) right yeah like they were like like somewhere right now right now somebody knows you from like middle school is like Yulisa, mm-hmm. Yulisa, that's that was her. That's that's why I love to go see. Um, I don't know what are that Pitch Perfect because it reminds me of what we used to hang out with. You're like, wait a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of girls from school be trying to claim me. You know, hit me up on Facebook. They be like, don't fuck with me now. He wasn't fucking with me then. Like, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I, so do you have anybody that tries to come back in your life that now look at you and they're like, oh, oh, I didn't know he was holding all this inside. Yeah, um, I have, I have, I have about 20 people that I'm Facebook friends with just so they can see how great I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, oh, I'm petty because they're like, and it's the people in high school who like doubted me and like told me like, cause someone told me, oh, why do you care about social issues? It's not like you can change anything. I was like, wow, like Mm. you guys are just, you don't believe that you have any power. Um, and just people who said really racist things to me and just keeping them around so that they can see like yes i am intelligent i am capable what so, are you doing so what were the things that brought you back like to where you're like you know what man i gotta get around some black people this this didn't do much so i actually 
I grew up kind of privileged, I guess. Yeah, because my parents made sure I had everything that I needed. Like while we were low income, like my mom steadily, like like she was a nurse. She got into like lower middle class, I guess. We were never right. starving. We never. Um, I was an. I'm also an only child, so we were very like. We had financial support and stability for the most part. Um, and so I, like, didn't go outside. I wasn't hanging out with kids. I didn't get to hang out with black kids. Mm-hmm. So I – a lot of black people would be like, yeah, you've seen this movie, right? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Friday. I, I – there's so many things that are, like, black American culture that I still – like, I had to teach myself. <laughs> It's, I know you're laughing, but I'm really for real right now. Like, I had to learn so much about Black American culture on my own, and I learned it in college. Like, mm. I watched The Boondocks in college. Yeah. Um, Dave Chappelle show. Like, there was so much catching up for me to do. And so what happened in college was I realized a lot of my white peers didn't understand my experience, and I finally learned the words to put like to put together like what I had been feeling or what I had been experiencing at the hands of white people in terms of discrimination Mm. and I found that by putting myself in these black spaces and they pretty much just like it was like yeah girl we know come here (laughs) yeah listen (laughs) let's start the journey (laughs) that's my favorite thing about black people like honestly it's like I'm surprised we haven't lost that you know what I mean? I, like looking at our history in, our, in this country, like, and I know that everybody gets upset about it uh, when we make jokes about inviting someone to a cook to the cookout or um, forgiving somebody that you know used to say fuck shit. But like, look at how Don Lemon's coming back and all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. everyone get. But honestly, I really don't want to live in a world where black people don't do that. Like, um, because some one white people are a trip and we need like we need a soft place to land okay um, but like i do love that we like embrace each other like that and especially like um because uh like you said going through that experience when you're younger you're like oh i'm, I'm different i'm special and all this stuff <clears throat> and then you get there and black people hug you and they're like oh no 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 we know we've, we've been told that too and th- let's rebuild each other let's go yeah, like specifically at RISD, I can think of every black girl before me that got me to the point where I'm at. And the fact that I hated her when I first got there because I was like, that bitch thinks she cool. She thinks she cute with the pink afro. All right, whatever. <laughs> but then I became her my senior year and the, the freshman black girl was looking at me the same way. Mm. And then, you know, I bring her under my wing and we go through this process. There's like a transformation that black girls go through in college. Yes. At RISD at least. It's beautiful. I, I love it, man. Honestly, like um the like like i said we start at one place but um you know that love man it when they say it's magic it really is um now also uh you you're talking about um <laughs> having to learn black stuff on your own um i the reason i laughed is because i just thought in my head like we should have like a total black credit score where <laughs> like you know you get credit for those type of things where it's like you know what uh Ulyssa came in she had a very low black credit score um she was at a 400 but you know what this year she watched boondocks she watched the pale show uh she listened to some beyonce uh we gotta move her up to 500 guys uh she's really working on getting that credit score back up with the community and i'm telling you that's exactly how it went you know <laughs> <laughs> i get this reference now like <laughs> no, seriously. seriously i had to do so much work 
I'm I'm still trying to learn hip hop and rap because I be seeing I be seeing these arguments about Joe Budden and like all this other mm. stuff. I'm like I don't understand, but I'm trying to keep up. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a that's a, I mean it's a lot, but um, at the same time, you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of other stuff that you uh, grew up with that um, I don't know about. You know what I mean? Because I I was the kind of opposite. I didn't know enough white shit uh, <laughs> for stuff, and I don't uh-huh. like I don't mean that in any type of like pat on the back either because it's not always a positive like sometimes i feel so stupid when i'm hanging out with people that have like that no white shit because they'll be like yeah you know it's like white snake remember that album like <laughs> who's white snake uh, i know white snakes <laughs> right yeah you know like i know I, I know like a few white people songs and stuff movies and stuff but like there's you know so they many love things. sweet caroline i did not know that till this past summer that's their like anthem i'm surprised that they care about the national anthem is you should just be standing there through uh sweet caroline apparently because that's what white people love i don't get it but all right listen i didn't know that until i got white friends about probably man when did i get my white friends probably like 20 five i got some white friends and uh we went to a sporting event they're ohio state fans and uh the fucking song came on and they just sweet caroline right i was like what how does everyone know this what sort of secret white meetings are taking place that (laughs) y'all practice this I don't know. It's, it's like Nuck If You Buck. I don't know. Remember the Facebook debates about Nuck If You Buck versus Wipe Me Down? Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, I mean, I was in, I think I was in school when those came out. Like, so, I, I mean, I remember those. Vivid. Plus, I'm from the South. So, I, that, like, that's a vivid debate. But. I don't know. I'm team Wipe Me Down. That's, that's, is gospel. Shoulders, chest, pants, shoes. I mean, that's, I mean, it's tough. You know, I'm, I think I'm Nuck If You Buck but um all that type of crunk music is more about fighting so <laughs> it's it's like i you know obviously i'm not necessarily the uh go to the club kind of guy but that's definitely a song that when that comes on i get ready to leave because <laughs> every every place i've been when they start that cycle of like it's always like nuck if you buck there's um they had this pastor Troy song um uh we don't ain't no play in ga or something like that and then there's this um there used to be these this little john song i don't even remember the name of the song but i just remembered there's a part where it's like if uh what side you from uh and then people be like west side west side then if with my east side and east side east side and uh such and such rep your click and everybody throw up their sets and shit and then they go now look at this dude and say fuck your set and i'm like whoa <laughs> That's, that's a fight is always gonna happen at this part of the song so yeah i i wasn't there i wasn't uh i just associated with fighting not really uh which is the anthem but um anyway uh guys if you got a chance go to trap karaoke because they play nuck if you buck there and wipe me down and it was so lit everybody had such a great time because everybody's hey. everybody's older now so they're not fighting um <laughs> uh back to this how'd you get into drawing then when you were you say you were an only child were you always drawn as a kid? It's a sad story. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not sad. It's just, you know, my family was mean. Um, I really, I know everybody in my generation really loved Pokemon. 
but I was a Digimon bitch because that had an actual storyline and it was mm. from the creators of Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z and it was real emotional you know like it was a good you've seen it it's good yeah yeah it's definitely but I'm okay listen guys full disclosure this is a safe space alright no one it's just me and you talking right now I never liked Pokemon and I still don't I don't even know you. why do they like it I don't my brother is a Pokemon generation kid and i was um i was a um like voltron and then power rangers and then i came home from college and my brother was watching pokemon and i was so mad at him because it was (laughs) it was bullshit they never do anything they don't talk they don't talk they they're just toys they only sell toys that's the equivalent of like um and i know it's probably before your time but gi joe maybe like that's the equivalent of all the gi joes just saying their name roblox roblox flint flint lady jane like that you're just selling me a toy you're not even pretending to give it a personality or have it do things and and it's so frustrating i mean i i don't want to not i don't want to yuck people's jump but it is so frustrating watching people talk about how much they love those fucking pokemon how do you think i felt going to elementary school talking about digi devices and everybody's playing pokemon on their freaking game boys like i don't care like trash and those games was trash those games weren't even good i really bad. i tried to play those games and i was like what am i even doing i'm just <laughs> walking through a field trying to catch monsters looking for people to fight and then they had the nerve the fucking audacity to be like pokemon yellow pokemon green pokemon i'm like it's the same damn game they selling y'all the same game with a different color on it and y'all are buying more than one what is wrong with you people i i don't know i i wasn't a fan but digimon was my shit and i remember um i remember my mom bought me a digimon coloring book or like a how to draw book you know because they used to make those Mm -hmm. for kids because kids used to actually read books and stuff um and i started drawing the characters and they weren't great but you know you're supposed to encourage children and my family like encouraged me because it kept me quiet kept me out of their way Mm. and it kept me busy in general so i just kept doing that and i got really really good at it and i just kept drawing i started doing portraiture um and it's weird because i didn't have any formal training and rizzi is like one of the best art schools it's been on the like number one charts and things like that for a while now and i did not know that RISD was this big school when i applied and my art teacher just like made me put a portfolio together and i got in and i was really shocked um but yeah i i love drawing because i had such a love for reading and i was a very visual person i like to bring to life the things that i was reading i may have made like a couple of mangas before (laughs) like Mm. uh i was kind of nerdy so um but yeah i still have a portfolio up if you google my name you can find it um with my illustration work and that's actually how i got started with like my whole internet presence um i'm internet uh a, a tumblr blogger and an online media site shared some of my work and i was like oh i can do this i can make things and people will like it so yeah. i just kept doing that so you um like you were drawing by hand have you like had to graduate quote unquote to like digital um drawing so my I'm, my strongest skill set is straight pencil to paper, graphite, charcoal. You know, I can do figure drawing. I do digital illustration and like I do graphic design work. So I know the Adobe. Well, I know Illustrator, um, InDesign, Photoshop, a few. I can do some video editing in Premiere. I'm not an animator of any sort, but I do digital paintings and graphics. Um, I've designed an app before. Uh, I do rebranding for startups, you know, their decks, their logos, you know, brand guidelines in general. 
I do I do a lot of things. So what's that like also freelancing? Because um one of the things that's interesting about like with our show, you know, we have ads and we have sponsors sometimes and like uh I remember when we first started getting requests to be like, Hey, how much would it cost to sponsor your show? And I'm like, Oh my God, I know what I do is valuable. I don't know how much how valuable it is. Yeah. You know, um same thing with like freelance work, stuff like that. You have to kind of find a way to um you know to charge or uh, what the rate that you feel you should be getting paid and all this stuff um what's that what was that experience like um in the past year i have learned so much about my value just from dealing with men alone mm. <laughs> i don't know if you follow my facebook post about men yeah i've been seeing uh yeah i, I read them all the time I'm very much fuck you pay me my time is valuable don't come over here like mm-hmm. and I, I do the same thing when I'm freelancing um, there's this really weird um, thing going on with uh, online spaces because there's so much competition a lot of people are very much used to using um, what are those apps called uh, the Fiverr mm-hmm. um, they're used to paying people like 20 bucks for a logo Mm. And they they think that they can come up to me and you know, hey, can you do this whole entire rebranding package for for like one hundred fifty dollars? I'm like, mm. my degree alone, like my degree, I pay six, I paid sixty thousand dollars a year to learn how to do this, right? And you think that I can do it for a hundred dollars? Yeah, and then like, um, it's this added added pressure too, because it's like, as a black person, like, if a black person asks you, it's like, all right, dude, I don't want you to think I'm some type of coon or some shit, but like, literally, my time is more valuable than this, and you know, like, this ain't charity, you know, like I yeah. have I have I have rent coming in, it ain't nothing personal. Um, like we've I've had people where they'll like email us like hey i like to advertise on your show and i'm like ah oh, this is gonna suck like yeah it's gonna cost blank and they're like okay uh well i don't have that maybe one day i'll get it and um one of the things i will do is be like well we have there's other podcasts out there that need the money and need the help and they're you know maybe they're not as popular yet but get in at the ground floor with them you know and and yeah. keep that money in um you know and still in some black podcasters hands um don't just look at it like the, the i couldn't afford tvgwt so i'm not gonna do it you know and then yeah. sometimes we'll hook people up too but like that took us getting to a point where we could do that like it's not something that like we weigh that heavily because you know obviously uh if we started doing that then we would have never been able to have a business so uh but yeah that determining your own value thing is so um it's so interesting in art you know i think the most important thing that i've done and i I constantly tell um my female friends to do who are designers and artists is have the confidence of a mediocre white man Mm -hmm. you literally just need to remind yourself that there is a white guy out there who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing getting paid more money to do what you know how to do come on that's the truth um (laughs) that's that's the god's honest truth um so what uh how'd you start black girl versus the world um because you also have that oh gosh that is the most inactive blog that has ever existed on the internet (laughs) (laughs) um so the reason why i started it is because i needed something separate from like my facebook because i don't want to constantly be bombarding people with things and i wanted to create another stream of consciousness for myself to talk about like blackness and my experience Mm -hmm. and it wanes and flows like sometimes because like I, I have, like, professional people on my Facebook, right. like, influencers and stuff, and, like, they don't need to see my commentary on men and, like, other mm. stuff all the time. So that's why, like, I created that separate channel. And also because 
I've had so many things get reshared on Facebook, like over a hundred shares or like, you know, like reaching thousands of people that I was like, I might as well just put this content into a blog format so that it's accessible. And like my thoughts are out there for people. Mm. And the, the trigger was, I had a conversation with a new Facebook friend um, during the Women's March because I, I made a Facebook post where, you know that white woman thinking with all the math numbers around her face? Yes. It was like, white women, everyone needs to come support the Women's March. And then it's like, black women, are you coming to the Black Lives Matter March? And then their face, that's their response. Right, <laughs> <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and so that went a little, like, people shared it. And then one of my Facebook friends was like, what does this even mean? Like, we have to support everyone. And then we had a side conversation in Messenger, and I asked her if I could share it. And I turned it into this Google Doc. Like, what did I say? A conversation about the white, about women, the women's march. And I used the, the photo of the black woman stuck in a lollipop holding the signs. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that sign. And that, that, that essay, it was really long. It got out and like people liked it. And I was like, I can do this blogging thing. I need to put my ideas out there anyways. Like, let me just put it together in one space for like a writing portfolio yeah that i mean that's cool like uh sometimes you do have to separate brands and stuff and then um have places for things like i do that sometimes um like i i have a medium page that is very underutilized but that sometimes that is the best place to put something that i've been thinking a lot about and i want to write about rather than just go on the podcast and ramble about it so yeah it's um, really hard for me because like i have a children's brand mm -hmm. and i want to say not children's brands things Mm. but like people will find it and i'm like yeah yeah you go into one of those uh vc meetings and i'll be like uh so uh about this facebook post uh <laughs> we have the money ready to go except uh i had noticed what you mean all white people right <laughs> all white people i, I, I knew what i said <laughs> yeah well you banned from facebook first of all um not <laughs> white That's people right white people be tripping ban 30 days don't come back um yeah so uh also uh uh within um within uh the, the the digital space um you're also, i feel like people are a little bit more like things have changed like you're from in my lifetime people are a little more entitled they consume people on a personal level as well yeah. as a professional level at this point like i don't think um there's as much separation between the idea of and you know i think it's mostly because of social media and this isn't saying it's good or bad this is just a thing right it just happened like now i don't just know carrie washington from scandal i know carrie washington from what she tweets to i don't know um, gabrielle union just from being mary jane but also if she's been a guest on a podcast or if she uh tweets something or she writes a blog post you know things that, like th ways we didn't necessarily know celebrities before right yeah. um and i think it's trickled down to just everybody like you're a person to me now you're a celebrity like you're like so um when you put out stuff uh like uh the product design for your doll and you get feedback how does that like affect your how does that affect you personally because you know what i'm saying like it's one thing to like if mattel put out a survey and it said what do you think about these hot wheels it, you know good or bad it's kind of like it's going to some business in the sky that just handles this but but you're seeing the feedback from people so how does that affect you um, I'm going to give the best answer that I could possibly 
sensitive to this. Okay. <laughs> you can't take anything personal. And um, typically what companies will do when they're looking for feedback is do private research with, like, users. Um, but the other thing you have to remember about the Internet is that the most negative people are the loudest. Yes. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> so, you know, you can't listen to everybody, but you try to find the golden nuggets within. You know, um, I've always said this with podcasting, but it's true to everything. I like a little investment in my critique. Like, I like a little investment. Like, you don't have to be chip committed, right? But, like, um, we do it with five-star reviews on the Blackout Tips. Like, Mm -hmm. I know if you give me the five stars, you're kind of, you're a fan already. So, so you get, like, you listen to the show, you give me my five stars, you tell me, oh, I love this, that, and the other. And you might throw in there something like, now we don't agree on everything. And when you said this, I thought you was tripping. And I'm like, reasonable. You know, because that person normally doesn't come for your neck the way that someone who has no investment in you. They're just like, fuck you. Uh, I hate your face. Uh, die in the fire. And you're like, whoa, I, how am I supposed to ch- use that to make my podcast better? You know, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah you're right the negative people are often the loudest um i don't know how you would necessarily get um the golden nugget yeah yeah how do you get the golden nugget you do follow up you know you message them you're like hey you know thanks for the feedback please email us we'd love to chat you know Uh, because because i hate this doll it's ugly and then you email them like (laughs) you're like okay uh now thank you thank you what what are we supposed to do with this (laughs) <laughs> you don't say that but you're like uh, we'd love to know why you think the doll's ugly so that right. we can make a better one <laughs> right yeah so yeah because uh I, I was reading you said that you have never heard no so much in your life as trying to do this oh my god well besides dating oh no way <laughs> oh, huh. oh another chat another chat all right I, 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 you know i'll I take it my bad i don't mean i'm not trying to minimize your experience i i, I absolutely believe you. i'm sorry my bad <laughs> my bad um, yeah I've heard a lot of no's or just a lot of I love this and then nothing happens because people don't know what to do when you like like some people don't know what to do with me sometimes because mm. it's like it's a great product it's a great idea they don't have the network or the capital at the time to help me in the way that I need help mm. yeah um, I just keep it pushing um, my my friends are really supportive we get a lot of support online we get we get tons of press all the time it's, really great yeah it's good for you too though to be real keeps my morale up <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it teaches you like one like not everyone's gonna be in your corner all the time but then two yeah. i mean not to be offensive but also fuck them niggas man they not gonna stop you either <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's not not to you know paint too not to be too mean towards people but like mo- listen one of the things i've learned having our business over this time is that <clears throat> the people that um what do they say that that phrase um the people that matter don't mind and the people that don't mind don't matter something like that you know what i mean like uh like in a lot of cases um when you're t- when you're dealing with people that aren't um down or committed um but they have a lot to say they weren't it w- they weren't ever going to come around like it wasn't anything yeah. you could have done and in a lot of cases nothing venture nothing gain right if you don't ask even um and this is one of the things that mediocre white men know that many of us don't even asking and being told no is still bonus points towards your experience score right yeah Um, you know walking in that room 
and going this is what this meeting is like like yes i came in unprepared and i didn't know my shit and i got told fuck off and don't come back um you know not saying that you would do that but i'm saying mediocre white man would um (laughs) but they but they get something from that experience right they're like i'm not afraid to go sit at this meeting i remember um when we first started our business um we were starting like how are we gonna pay ourselves we gotta have payroll we gotta i don't know how to do a payroll i don't want to like like write a check to my north carolina tax office every week like i don't like i don't feel confident in just doing that all freestyle off of my head so you know i had to have business meetings with people um and you know business meeting with a bank and adp and all these places and um then they definitely wanted my money right because all money <laughs> spends the same um but i remember showing up to them like being like what is this meeting gonna be like should i put on a suit like am i gonna and i remember going no i'm gonna go in there in jogging pants and a t-shirt the way that i do my business and like and and we'll let's just see what happens that was the first time in my life where i was just like let's just fucking see uh <laughs> how they treat me because i'm actually the one they're courting i can go get this done by other people they don't you know it doesn't have to be them and yeah and that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because i do feel like a mediocre white man would have walked in there with some jogging pants and been like service me um and i think that but but like i said if they would have said no that's still a learning experience if they would have been like oh this guy doesn't like he has his shit together all right cool next time put on some pants thank you (laughs) i've i've definitely i've never stopped being myself um one of the things that I like to do when I go to meetings or go to spaces is like when in the in the startup world, in the VC world, so many people are just wearing boring blue and black suits. I'd be showing up in like bright yellow blazers, yellow shoes, like stylish. I look cute. I look like a black Tumblr post. Like I just lie. <laughs> Now you did listen. Um, you uh, take some fierce uh, selfies and photos out there. Like you. You, you are a whole brand out there by yourself. Like I, when I put in um, your name on Facebook. By the way, I don't know what perv works at Facebook, but when I put in your name, like it didn't just go your name. It's like this, and then the next one is photos. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people have been searching, just looking at your pictures or what. But it's like. Y'all, uh, y- uh, Jean Charles, and then Yulissa Jean Charles photos for for all the people. That- I think that's just the way the website works. <laughs> okay, they like we don't for those who don't want the opinions. Okay, um, just look at her face. <laughs> turn this into ha- let's turn this into Instagram. Okay, guys, I know you're tired of of uh, being talked about. Um, so um, uh, what about um critiques from white people with this have you gotten uh why don't you have any white dolls and stuff like that yet early on we used to get that and i would just always respond with did they stop making white dolls <laughs> right. like is there a shortage like i mean like obviously i would be nicer it's like you know i think that we're trying to make dolls for girls who don't have dolls yet mm. and you know after we scale and grow we'd be more than happy to expand to creating all different types of dolls but let's start with the kids who need them okay yeah i you know i can understand that um i do find that um white people are stupid like that where they'll be like it's reverse racism you know because you don't have any white people dolls i'm like i you're not being denied dolls (laughs) right like did you go to the store and you were like oh my god where are the white dolls where is my daughter ever supposed to learn to love herself fuck out of here yeah so i feel like that's 
the, we would get those questions from people who didn't necessarily understand our mission or the scale of the problem. Because mm. in their mind, they're just thinking, oh, there's already brown dolls. It's like, no, what kind of brown dolls already exist? Think about it. Mm. Yeah, and I'm just checking Facebook now. You're right. That's just how it works. So <laughs> I learned something new today, guys. Uh, apparently, Facebook is not run by pervs. Or maybe it is, and that's why everybody it just everybody's pictures. Um, all right, but... Um, <laughs> uh yeah it's, it's interesting because i always uh think white people have the most basic critiques of black shit it's like you're doing some black shit what about white shit or you know um Lord. <laughs> this is how it feels to be discriminated against because your dolls um uh who are some of your inspirations to even uh you know to do this to do the dolls yeah to do the dolls yeah um I don't necessarily have toy creator inspires, but mm-hmm. while at RISD, I had a lot of um, fine artists that I looked up to. Because people don't know this, but I, I was like a fine artist and like a social activist first. Like I organized mm-hmm. demonstrations at school. I brought um, police, artists against police violence. Not police. I didn't bring police to the school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an activist, but the other way, guys. Like I'm pro-police. <laughs> uh, we don't get a fair <laughs> shake. <laughs> no, I brought artists against police violence to campus. Um, two very powerful um, artists in that group, um, and like pretty much just was trying to disrupt the school. Like I was meeting with administration. Uh, you remember I two M Harvard? Mm-hmm. Um, there was that demonstration going on, and we did that on our campus. We also did a video called "The Room of Silence," where we talked about how whenever you make black art, nobody has anything to say. <laughs> And we were like, we don't know how to talk about this. <laughs> uh, uh, and you did, yeah. you had, uh, what was it? Did you do Black Girl vs. RSD as well? Yeah, Black Girl at the, Black Girl at RISD. Cause yeah. I was like, one, it was like, there were so few of us, I might as well just own it. Like, the Black Girl. Like, you know, yeah. the one. And that was, so like, um, and then obviously, um, Blue Lives at, at RISD uh, was also started by... She liked to bring people together, guys, okay? Uh, There's some stuff going on my campus. But in terms of inspiration, um, yeah. one Genti Mutu and Kara Walker were two of my biggest inspirations. I don't know if you remember, she did the Sugar Sphinx, and it was it was either in Brooklyn or Bronx, where she, like, took over this old domino uh, factory, and she made a, a giant mammy sphinx out of sugar, and wow. then a little... Um, black boy workers out of uh, sucrose, like liquid sugar and all that stuff. She's an amazing artist. She does the whole um, cutout um, silhouettes that create that talk about race and art history and things like that. She's amazing. I love her so much. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Oh my god. What kind of tea cup would it take to... <laughs> Holy crap. That is a lot of... Oh wait, why is it... <laughs> Wow, this thing's got ass too. That is, uh, this is amazing. Uh, yes, there's a, there's a whole, you know, artistic <laughs> narrative behind. I could go in on it, but. No, nah, it's fine. Go ahead. I don't, I mean, I'm learning. Uh, so Kara Walker, the whole point of the, I don't, you know what? I'm not going to speak for Kara Walker, but what mm-hmm. I walked away with is like, this is in your face. Yeah. This is, and it's like taking over this figure that, um, is from Africa and like using a stereotype because like, the black people were used to, you know, to, um, harvest the sugar cane and produce this sugar. And so it's like showing the commodification of black bodies. Mm. Um, yeah, she's, she's awesome. It's ama- this is amazing. Um, yeah, that's the, man, that's dope. That, um, and did you have, um, 
so so like you had inspiration as like art as well did you have any business owner inspiration stuff or uh anybody you looked into in that lane or that 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 inspires you to be you know the businesswoman you are the one person that i really looked into was um goldie blocks are you familiar with goldie blocks Mm-mm. so it was this giant campaign for um toys that teach girls how to you know be engineers debbie sterling mm. she's the ceo she was like the first person to do a kickstarter campaign that like went really she like i think she, did she make up for a million dollars i don't remember holy crap but yeah she is amazing um because she was the first person who to me took an opportunity to take tool toys and use them to teach kids and like disrupting the aisle she she calls it disrupting the pink aisle um so i love her i have her business actually email her <laughs> mm-hmm. let's her and it, it, so is that where you also got the um the idea for healthy words to be um educational um that's not the idea where i got for healthy words to be an educational product but that's where i got the idea to utilize kickstarter because mm. i remember i was telling people like oh yeah I'm, I'm working on this product and they're like oh cool how are you gonna fund it i was like i'm gonna do kickstarter and they were like yeah right like nobody thought that i would be able to do this right yeah this is amazing what you're doing i mean besides like my really good friends and my mentors of course and what about um so so when you were at rsd um when you're dealing with healthy roots um just kind of your general presence in the world do you feel like it's a balancing like for like your youth where you're like your youth you're 23 anyway <laughs> you're, you're uh you know like do you feel like it's kind of like a, a balancing out out for you um because i know you said you felt like you distanced yourself from blackness and now here you are like not just even embracing it but almost being like an avatar with your work and the way you live like um do you feel like it's it's kind of an evening out or something or adjustment maybe adjustment um i feel like i don't know i i am black right. i'm a woman and this is everything this my work is me so I don't feel like I'm balancing anything. The only thing I'm trying to balance is figuring out when I'm going to do my hair <laughs> in this schedule because Lord knows I can, I can never find the time. Mm. Um, but no, because my product is me and my company is about stuff that I care. Like this, this is my passion. Okay. So I never feel like I'm trying to figure out, oh, how should I service my time? Um, I don't really do much. I cook. Mm. I go out to karaoke sometimes. I hang out with people at home. I'm a, I'm a homebody. I don't right. think people realize that. I don't be going out like that. Mm, me neither. <laughs> people think because I'm like people keep thinking I'm an introvert. I'm I'm an extrovert, and I'm really not. I just you know I know how to turn myself on and be you know performing like socially for people and things like that. Same here. Same here. People come with a cost. Like every conversation, everything that people do comes with like a little. You know, not that I don't mind paying it sometimes, but sometimes these motherfuckers ain't worth it you know like yeah. it just depends on the day like, i'm tired i won't go home I think, <laughs> I think my favorite thing about me and like how i am as a person is like if i don't want to be somewhere i leave like that's it yes <laughs> listen oh don't get married okay because like that changes <laughs> and it's I, I mean i love my wife and it's totally a great she's a great person but that is a definite thing the rhythm of another person is so different you know because when it's just me up uh, don't like this that mouth like too, music's too loud i this is not the spot i thought it would be and i'm out and then uh if it was one with karen it's like uh, i gotta let her do her thing you know so 
uh it's a little different um but uh, the, the, yeah you still there i'm sorry Do you I'm, here, I'm here i'm okay. here all right so the other thing i want to ask for uh we get off because uh we've had a great conversation and i really appreciate you spending all this time with me Aww, but i know me. you're busy and i know you got things to do um so i i i i'd be remiss if i didn't mention this because i do uh follow you on facebook and all this stuff what is up with the street harassment is it just like uh you're a magnet for it do you or is it you know what i mean because or is it just something you decided to like speak on because um i i mean one i'm not one of those people that doesn't obviously street harassment is real and it's a menace um and it's scary like i can't imagine um having to deal with that but um Um, uh, but i was gonna say but i I noticed you're also pretty proactive about talking about it um it's weird to say as a passion i don't know what the right word is (laughs) like but it's a thing that keeps happening you and you are fed up and and you talk about it um when it happens like um and you were even saying like i don't even leave the house a lot so i'm assuming this must happen a lot like what like what is that like what where is that what is that like dealing with that and what made you decide to be so vocal about it i really don't leave the house a lot and i only recently just realized that part of the reason why i don't is because i have to think about like all right how far is this place and how many people are going to say things to me before i get to this destination um so i i don't have a passion for talking about street harassment. I just have a passion for sharing stories and things that have happened to me. And right. it just so happens that the street harassment that I experienced is at such a level that I feel like this is something that I have to tell other people about. Like, whenever I share street harassment, it's because it was like, you know what? That shit was actually really fucking crazy. And I can't believe that just happened to me. And I'm really upset. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that it happens that often that... Uh, there's a street, there's street harassment to a degree of that seriousness that I feel compelled to share. Um, Cause like, I'm like, I'm just a simple person. Like I'm telling you, like I'm not doing shit. Like I just got a bun. I got a snap back on. I don't got no makeup. I don't even have my eyebrows on son, my mm. eyebrows. And I'm just <laughs> walking down the street and somebody is yelling something. And it's also because I think the reason why I share it is because I live in a city that's not highly populated. Like, we don't have busy streets. Right. And so it's just me and the street harasser. Mm. And, and then nobody else. So it feels so much more, like, when it, when I'm on the street. It's just, like, it's magnified for me. Yeah. Um, and I just share it because I don't think people realize how often it happens. Mm-hmm. And, nah, like, I, as a black woman, too. I'm sorry. Like, one last thing I was going to no, say. Go ahead. No, is, please. Like, I, I feel like... For me, because, like, I have a white roommate. She right. never gets street harassed. Granted, she got punched in the face once and had her phone stolen. But that was the only thing that ever happened to homegirl, mm. you know? <laughs> but I get harassed every time I go outside. And I think it has to do with power mm. and about, you know, exerting that power over me. Because, like, these niggas can't do shit for me. Like, the men right. who are street harassing me, like, you can't buy me dinner. You can't pay my bills. Like, what you trying to do? Like, right. what you really trying to do right now? It's just it's just because they can. Right, and because, uh, like, it's such a power game because the whole smile and say hi shit, it's yeah. about power. Like, when you see men that, that defend it as, would you say hi? Is why? You know what I mean? Like, I know those same black dudes are like, um, I don't want LeVar Ball to say thank you to Donald Trump. Well, why? You know what I mean? Like, why don't you want them to say thank you? Because the power dynamic thing, right? You recognize that whether it be polite or not, 
within that discourse it becomes a completely different um struggle which is one of i'm telling you to do a thing because i'm because i have more power than you and i think a lot of a lot of these interactions um and i I guess not even sadly but they're not even about like sexual attraction it's not Mm -hmm. even about um um and in a way uh especially if it's like more than one man it's often about like this male camaraderie and performing masculinity right like look at what look at me i think this woman's attractive um because i've had men try to do that around me where they'll be like oh you see that bitch up there man look at all that and i'm like okay man like we're human beings with eyeballs calm the fuck down like like i i don't know what you thought i thought of you before now but it's almost like you're trying to impress me with your energy not exactly you know what i mean it's so but yeah i but um i do appreciate that you talk about it because um i think these are like those uh those slights that women experience all the time that they you know men don't know about because women normally won't talk to men about it because men aren't worth talking to about this shit because they you know know. i mean i think the other reason why i share it is because um i know i come off as like a lot of i'm i'm a powerful confident person like that's just like that's how i come off on facebook that's how i am in real life but when a man like that i do not know in an open carry state is saying shit to me on the street i can't do nothing Mm -hmm. because i'm just trying to get go home and be alive (laughs) listen listen you know one of the wildest things is men who defend street harassment if you say um well you know what guys we know it's wrong you agree that like once they go i you know what you're right it's intimidating and scary i see how it's wrong um and you go well next time you see it happen why don't you step over to the dude and be like hey man don't talk to talk you know don't do that they'll immediately be like man that person might kill me they might beat me up exactly i'm like well that's the same fucking what what were you arguing about in the first place if you're scared of this dude just say that like i'd rather you say you're scared because i can actually understand and kind of deal with the idea of like oh you're scared uh so you don't street harass but that's also why you don't say shit well we can be scared together i don't know like i understand (laughs) i understand the fear that's not so crazy but the the like projection of masculinity of like women need to just take it but at the same time also i'm afraid to say something because they might do something to me well then you also have to admit by extension these men will will possibly uh not possibly in many cases have assaulted women um so yeah it's, it's gotta be scary every time it happens you know so yeah um, I mean, I want to take self-defense classes, so if anybody want, wants to contribute to that fund, hit my Venmo so I can beat these men up, please. Mm, yeah, get a, <laughs> a nice taser or something, official weapon. I do show. have a taser. It's hella nice. Come through. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to send some votes to to get the message across. I'm just waiting for somebody to say something to me so I can tase him and be like, who else wants some? Right. Like, <laughs> you can do this. Who else wants some? A Hollywood court. Um yeah well i'll tell you what man um i like i am so impressed with you is you're is uh i've wanted to interview you for a while but i mean one you're always busy and two i'm always like slacking on this interview show <laughs> um but i wanted to interview you for a while and i appreciate you taking the time out um and tell people where they can uh like find you on social media and where they can uh support uh your work so I am on social media on Twitter at the Yelitsa. That's Y E L I T S A. I'm on Instagram as Black Girl versus the World V S, not V E R S U S. And you can support Healthy Roots by heading to www.healthyrootsdolls.com. And we're on Instagram and Twitter under those handles as well. 
cool man is it too late for people to get their christmas dolls on if they try to order now no order order right now <laughs> all right so order right now guys listen quantity all right i'm gonna put this i'm gonna put this interview out as soon as possible i mean like literally i'm gonna try to get it done today um and and then hopefully by african-american or colored people for i don't know what you negroes call it okay <laughs> i don't mean to be offensive but uh whatever you negroes are calling it this year uh i hope you guys can uh sign up and, and, and get you some dolls man get you get those uh get the dolls for yourself and for the the, the nieces and nephews and stuff in your life yeah, order, well. order two or three you know just yeah. put it on a shelf you know next to your picture of martin luther king and you know, all that come on now um all right well thank you so much yalitza um uh appreciate it and uh like i said we'll be back for another medium talk soon until then peace